there is a joke about these two friends who go every day to a bar to drink together. And every day they drank and they talked. And as the joke goes, one of them dies. And his friend still goes back to the bar every day and he orders two drinks like he always did. And he and the bartender says, why are you ordering two drinks? He says, well, I sit together with uh, the spirit of my friend and I say, I drink and, he, and I drink for him too. And one day after many years, he orders only one drink. The bartender says, why only one drink? He said, well, I stopped drinking. I'm only <laughs> drinking for him now. <laughs> so it's a joke, but the, the joke has a lot of meaning. And the meaning of the joke is, is that it's sometimes it's possible to uh, drink for someone else. Yeah. It's possible that you're saying, L'chaim, you're, you're what's going on inside of you, is helping someone else. This week, we learned the famous mitzvah, the one Rabbi Kiva describes as the major principle in Torah, love your fellow man like yourself. And a couple, you this one. it's a couple of, of major questions that uh, come to mind. First of all, how is it possible what does the Torah even mean? Love your fellow like yourself. How can the Torah expect us to love our fellow like ourselves? What does that mean? Question number two, it sounds like you're supposed to love yourself. And why is that an ideal? Why is that a good thing? It seems an egotistical thing. Love yourself and love your fellow like you love yourself. Sounds like the Torah is not just condoning, but subscribing and endorsing and encouraging love of yourself and telling you you should love yourself and because you love yourself, therefore you should love someone else. What does that mean? Another question is, the whole Torah is written by Hashem. And yet, here the Torah puts Hashem's signature at the end of the passage. Love your fellow like yourself. And how does the Torah finish off that verse? I am Hashem. I am Hashem. Why does the Torah finish off that verse with I am Hashem? Hashem is saying, I said this. This message has been endorsed by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem has given you the message. Underwritten. Well, the whole thing is written by Hashem. Why does why the Torah have to say specifically in this verse, I am Hashem? So, to understand this, I'll share with you a story about this true story. There was a young man who was father of a Holocaust survivor. He is living, living well. He is a Torah scholar. And he spends a lot of his days studying Torah. And when he was a young college student, he was very upset about... He had a conflict between what his father was telling him to do and when the, when how he felt comfortable in, in university, in college. He felt uncomfortable with all the guilt, you know, his father, Holocaust survivor, talking about his father and the traditions that they had. And he <laughs> wasn't really, you know, into it. And one day he says to his father, very angrily, he says to his father, like, why is it that uh, just I have to be so concerned about what Zadie did? What Zadie did is so important. Zadie's dead. Zadie's dead. Who cares what Zadie did? So his father told him to follow. He says, the Torah is like a baton. In a baton race, it's four people, and everyone runs to one part of the race, and they pass the baton to the other. So he says, the baton got passed from my father to me, and I'm trying to pass the baton to you. In order for my father to give me the baton, it was through the blood, sweat, and tears of those before my father. And I'm not smarter than all of the, the decades and generations and of tens of, of, uh, thousands, 
of the tens of generations before my father uh, who got the Torah. I'm not smarter than all of them to say that what they did isn't important. I'm going to drop the baton. I'm passing you the Torah because I believe the Torah, because the Torah is light, the Torah is truth, the Torah is life. That's why I'm passing you the baton. I'm passing you the baton because this is, this is what life is. This is what truth is. I'm not smarter than everyone before me. I'm not more intelligent than my father and my grandfather. And all of them gave their lives to pass me the baton. I'm not, I'm not letting go. And I hope, my dear son, that you will hold on to the baton and not let go. And because very soon we're going to see Zadie again. And, uh, and because you have to understand something, my son. In Judaism, death isn't the same way as understood in the time of the Torah was given, there was there were many pagan cultures, but a whole different picture of what life and death was about. This week's Torah portion talks about not scratching yourself, not gashing yourself. What was it, what's the Torah referring to? In, in the time, um, pagan times, there were many people who felt that if somebody died, so what happens is really they felt was there was a war between life and death. The world has life, the world has death, and they fight against each other. And when death wins. So if it was someone they're connected to, death got in them too. So therefore they would gash themselves to say, oh, I also got affected, come inside. So the water is fine. I also got hurt. I also, the death came into me too. And that's why they would gash themselves and scratch themselves to show that, 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 that the death hurt them as well. Death won in them as well. However, the Torah says you're not allowed to gash yourself. You can't. Why? Because the other person, the, the Arachayim says, you have to know what life and death really mean. Arachayim says, imagine a father who sends his son to do a mission. And the son returns back home from the mission. He goes back home after he does his mission. Is all the, all the people the son met on his mission, are they, did they not meet the son? They met the son. The son, the son impacted them. And when the son comes back home, the son is still alive. The son still exists. He's just not there in the same place he was before. In a similar way, the Rechaim says the soul comes to this world to do a mission. And when the soul passes away, it's not that their life is over. It's now that it's, it's only that the soul has returned to its father in heaven. And that's why in Judaism, instead of gashing ourselves, God forbid, if someone passes away, instead we tear a garment. Why do we tear a garment? The garment indicates that it's not, it's not the uh, um, spirit that's been destroyed. It's not, it's not the, the, the inside. That has been affected. It's just something external, just a shell, just a garment, just the, what's external has, has has been torn, but not the core. The core is still there. But if a person gashes himself, what he's what he what he's saying is is that my life is less. My life is less significant because of this, of this person who passed away. I don't have enough of a reason to live anymore, because this person is not here, and they're important to me. And so if they're gone, so then. Yes, the Torah says to mourn. The Torah says that there's pain. The Torah says that, mourn has to, that, that pain has to be expressed. It has to be grieving because there is deep pain when Chassam God, passes away. But you don't, you don't scratch yourself. You can't scratch yourself because scratching yourself means that the other person's death would mean that, you're, that you are now um, no longer, your life isn't as valuable. Your life isn't, your mission isn't as important. That you're, that you're, the truth is, though, that every fiber of your being, every part of you, is, is, is not just as important, but it's really more important. The reason why it's more important is because, as the Torah tells us to say, when someone passes away, you're, 
when you say Yiskal of Yiskad, that's what you're saying. You're saying that their life that they had, they should it should be drawn into the world. Yiskal of Yiskad. I have to now compensate for what was what was taken away. I have to compensate for the light that has now ascended to a higher place. But it's not that the person is no longer there. However, there's another place the Torah talks about scratching yourself, and the Torah says Lois is going to do similar thing. Lois is going to don't don't gash yourself. But in that verse, there's an, a Talmudic interpretation of that. Talmudic interpretation is don't splinter into different groups. Don't become divided. Don't be divided. So there's a simple meaning is when someone passes away, don't scratch yourself, don't gash yourself. And then there's a Talmudic interpretation, don't splinter into different groups. What's the connection between the simple interpretation and the Talmudic interpretation? Whenever there are two explanations of one verse, they have to be connected to each other. The Torah is saying is that when Jews could disagree, two Jews, three opinions, that's what we are. But when Jews stop talking to each other, what's happening really is, is that there's a gash, that, there's, that you're missing something, that you're scratching yourself, you're taking away something of you. When your right hand, uh, or your right hand gets hurt, you don't punish it by, by, by punishing, punching it with your left hand. Your right hand gets hurt, your left hand is hurt too. So when, when, you, when the Jews splinter in different groups and they separate, and they can't, it's okay to have different opinions, but if you can't talk to someone, and if, if, and you, if there's a distance, there's a frigidity that you have another person, it's not just that there's a, it's not, it's not an okay thing. It's not like, oh, I, you can move on, and it's, it's, you had a relationship, and now you're moving on. There's something missing. You're gashing yourself. You're taking away something from yourself. But that's all uh, negative. I'm making everybody very nervous. Let me, let me, let me explain that, where we're supposed to go. Let's go somewhere where we're supposed to go. Chaim, Chaim, What's the connection? Because the Torah is instructing us this week to love our fellow like ourselves. I want to explain how that's possible. The Torah tells us you have to take care of your body. You have to love your body, take care of your body. Well, not love, take care of your body. But you have to know what it's all about. The body is just a shell. What's important is the neshama. And if the neshama is what's important to you, if you love your neshama, if you love that, if you realize that you are a part of a big puzzle and you have a unique mission to achieve, every morning we sing the Sheyabana, right? Sheyabana, what has it finished off? Give us our portion in your Torah. What does it mean, our portion? Every Jew has a unique thing to do. We're all part of this big puzzle. You all have a unique role. Everyone's different. Everyone has their own tune, their own color, their own contribution. And when you realize that, you have something godly in you, and you have a godly mission, then you, and you and you love the part of Hashem that's in you, that allows you to also love someone else. That's why the Torah says, love your fellow like yourself, I am Hashem. When you know about who your real identity is, that you're godly, and you're holy, and you love yourself, you love your neshama, and you love that Hashem has given you something special, because you're, you're part of Him, so then you want to you want to, you want to better your behavior because you want you know that you inside of you you have something special and you want to act in a way that you believe in yourself you believe that Hashem entrusted you Hashem wants us to believe that He trusts us Hashem wants us to believe that He gave us the power to make to achieve this home He wants in this world so when you believe and you love your neshama lo- love is life when you love your life you love your neshama it puts life into what you're doing if you don't love yourself. You don't love your neshama. You don't have self-esteem, which means esteem for your neshama, esteem for the godliness in you. You don't put your all in what you're doing because you feel like, eh, it doesn't matter. But if you believe in, in your godliness and holiness, so not only does it does it make you have drive what you're doing, but also allows you to see the godliness in others. And that's the idea of passing the baton. There's a Mishnah, as Rabbi Yishmael. 
Rabbi Shmuel was a reincarnation of Yosef HaTzadik. And he, his Mishnah gives us insight to something. Rabbi Shmuel gives us insight into something that really bothered Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik had a hard time with his brothers. He really suffered with his brothers. And his Mishnah, his teaching tells us how to deal with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your friends. His Mishnah tells us all we need to know about all relationships in life. He says in the Mishnah three things. Number one, he says, Kavikalaresh. Kalaresh means be light towards authority, be flexible towards authority. Be pleasant to those who have black hair, those who are young, and greet everybody with Simcha. What, is it, what, are these, what's, what are these three teachings? What do they have to do with each other? The first teaching is, not, we don't know everything. There are those who came before us who are older and wiser than us. And the third Mishra is saying, don't be so hung up in your path. Be open to learn something from someone else. Be happy, Kyle, be soft. Be soft. When someone has something to teach you, be open. And there are people that need to learn from you. And you need to share something with them. You need to make sure they feel comfortable and they feel pleasant around you. They want to learn from you. But how do you do that? What's the key? The key is, he says, greet everybody with simcha. What's simcha? What is he saying different than what Shammai said in the ch- previous chapter, in chapter 1? Shammai says, greet everybody with a smile. What's the difference between greeting everyone with a smile and greeting everyone with happiness? And what does greeting everyone with happiness have to do with the Bishmol's teaching? So what, what, he, what he's saying is like this. If you give someone a smile, what does your smile say? Your smile says, you're welcome here. You, I, I'm here for you. That's what your smile says. But what your happiness says, I mean, when you're happy, when you see someone, what that does is, is not only are you, are, you, are you okay that they're here and you're there for them, but they've added something to you. That there's something that you didn't have before, and now because they're there, you are now complete. You're missing something without them. Happiness is through something new that was added to you. When you're happy when you see someone, what does it mean when you're happy when you see someone? When you're happy you see someone, that means that you didn't have something, now you have it. A smile, LA is a great land of smiles. We're good at smiling at each other. We're good at giving beautiful smiles. <laughs> but a happy when you see someone is something else. Smile means, if you don't give someone a smile, you, you know, God forbid, a child growing, growing around with, with, with the parents that aren't giving them a smile, they could feel uncomfortable, they feel they're not welcome, it could hurt them. But beyond the smile, the Torah says it has to be happiness. What's the happiness give the child? When the, when the, when you, you build the child with your happiness. Why do you build them? Because with your happiness, you're telling the child, you have something I don't have. You're giving me something I didn't have before. Your happiness in seeing your child actually shows the child that they can be something, that they could do something, that they have something to give the world. You'll, you'll, you notice that, that a lot of people are very creative. Uh, it's it's uh, often because their parents believe in them. And how does a child know their parents believe in them? It's not just with a smile. It's with a happy heart that the parents give to the child. And a lot of misunderstandings between couples and parents and children, a lot of it is not about the, the subjects that they're disagreeing about. It's, it's just the context and the energy and the atmosphere in the home. And the simch and the happiness they have in seeing each other, that, that, that does a lot to, to, to make the flow of communication the way it needs to be. So how do you pass the baton? How do you receive the baton? How do you pass the next generation? It's through the simcha. Through being happy in, in the... Uh, in, in, in seeing your spouse and seeing your friends and seeing your children and seeing people around you, the simcha you see them, the simcha that they see that you have for them, 
allows them to learn from you. You know, everybody is dark, has black hair in one area. I have black and gray, right? So, so there's some areas that I'm black, some areas that I'm gray, and so is everybody. There's some areas you need to learn from others. And the same person you're learning from, you also learn something to teach. We all have something to learn from each other and teach each other. So what makes the whole thing flow? It's the simcha. It's the happiness you have and see the person that makes them want to hear from you and makes you want to learn from them. This is uh, what the Chayzal Lublin told someone who had a hard time understanding the, this mitzvah of loving your fellow like yourself. The Chayzal Lublin says to him the following. You want to know what loving your fellow means? I want you to go to, to meet Moshe by the river, riverbank and see the way Moshe, the way Moshe ties up his, his lumber. How do Moshe tie up his lumber? Usually people would tie the lumber up and make it into a raft and send the, river, and send the uh, raft downstream to, to, uh, to sell it in the next town. But how did how do they put the wood together? They would plane the wood, and then they could it would fit together. The, the wood is bumpy, and they would plane it so it could fit together. But what did Moshe do? Instead of planing the wood, Moshe would let the, let the wood stay bumpy, but he would remove the uh, another the other wood that was touching it. He would remove part of it so that the bump would fit. So this man now knew what Avshel means. Avshel means that you leave room not just to teach the other person, but you'll you open in yourself to receive from someone else. Sometimes it's easy to give, but not, all, not always is it easy to uh, receive. And the, the uh, mitzvah, obviously, is not just to, to give, it's also to receive, to let the other person teach you something, to give, to give you something. Some, sometimes that's, that's a, a critical component and, and missing in a lot of relationships. The ability to say, you know, this person has something that they could add to me. And giving them that covet, as their Bikiva students were missing this idea of not just not just love for each other. Covid. Covid means that other person's opinion matters to you. That the way they feel matters. Covid means heavy. That the way they are, it's heavy. It's gravity. It's it's it's. There's some weight in what they what, what, who they are and what they what they have. I want to tell you one story, an unbelievable story. If it's worth coming tonight, just hear the story. L'chaim, 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 l'chaim. There was uh, Rabbi Henoch Teller has amazing books. I've read a lot of them. But this is probably the best story in all of his books. Great, unbelievable story. He said that there was a, is a book called Hey Taxi, among his many books. I'm not sure if that's in that book or a different book. But he, he says the following story. Chaim, taxi driver, is uh, picking up this gentleman at the, in, the, in Ben Gurion. And the guy is a wealthy businessman. You can tell American businessmen the way they carry themselves. The cufflinks, or this, or that. And the guy comes and sits down in the taxi, takes out a cigar, and he starts smoking the cigar. And the windows in the back are closed, and mm-hmm. it's a little annoying, and he, doesn't, and he doesn't want the windows in the front to be opened either. And he's getting really annoyed, and he thinks, you know, I'll, I'll light a cigarette too, and the guy's going to realize, you know, we got to open the windows. <laughs> so he takes out a cigarette, and instead of the guy saying, oh, let's open the windows, he's like, oh, I'll light it for you. And he lights a cigarette for him, and he lights, and he sticks out the, the, the lighter. He sees this man has the blue letters on his arm. He was a Holocaust survivor. So he says, you're a Holocaust survivor. He says, yes, I was a, I'm a Holocaust survivor. He says, I think I was born with a golden spoon in my mouth. He, say, he says he lost his father, he lost his mother, he lost his sisters, he lost his brothers. He says they all, they all went to uh, Auschwitz, and, uh, and he thought maybe one of his siblings was still alive, but no, they're all gone. So the taxi driver, Chaim, he says, we're going the other direction. 
We're going somewhere else. He says, what? I'm going, I want to go to Yerushalayim. I'm paying. I'm, I'm not going somewhere else. I'm going, no, no, you're coming with me. And they start to drive. What happened? This Chaim, he wasn't uh, always so observant of Torah. But something happened in his life that really, that really touched him. What happened? He said that um, he worked in his kibbutz. One morning the breakfast wasn't so good. So he went straight to work. He worked on a tractor. And his tractor carried, um, was, was meant to bring the uh, apples into this machine that, uh, that crushed the apples. And he was supposed to, so was supposed to pour all the apples into the machine. And this, this particular day, he, um, he's carrying the apples, the tractor, and uh, he's, as he's pouring the apples into, into this machine, he's, he feels he's slipping. And he's slipping and he's falling into, this, into the machine. And what's separating him and the machine is only a few dozen apples. And he knows, like, that's it. Like, this is his life. He, and he wasn't religious, but, you know, there's no atheists in the foxholes. He starts to daven. And, and as he's davening, he knows no one could hear him because, because he's, not, he's not near the lunchroom and no one could hear him. Everyone's in the lunchroom. But, uh, but all of a sudden he feels Zalman grab him. He sees Zalman grab Zalman's arm. That's, that's the last thing he saw before he lost his consciousness. Zalman grabbed him and he lost a leg, Honolulu Slan. And uh, that, that experience really touched him and that's what inspired him to start coming to our mitzvahs. He saw Shem and saved him. Zalman, who was Zalman? Zalman was a Holocaust survivor who never spoke to anybody. Zalman was apparently really affected by what he had seen and he never spoke to anyone. He worked in his area, in the kibbutz, in the carpentry, never spoke to anyone. <clears throat> so he... Um, Zalman had on his arm a number. The number was 1528. 1528 was for Chaim a significant thing because after he became religious, he left the kibbutz and he got his Tudat Zihut. He got his new uh, um, his, his identity card in Israel. And what was his identity? What was the last four digits of his identity card? Same as Zalman, on Zalman's arm, 1528. He got his phone number. His phone number also had the last four digits of uh, Zalman's arm, the, the letters, the numbers on his arm, one five two eight, and he noticed that this man in his taxi, the number on his arm is one five two seven. So he brings this man. He's hoping that Zalman's still alive. He had left the kibbutz years before. He brings him to the kibbutz. And Baruch Hashem, he meets Zalman, and he says, "Zalman, I brought someone to see you." Mendel, Zalman, imagine. Imagine, imagine the, the kind of uh, reunion the brothers had. He thought that his brother had died because behind him in the line, he didn't number behind, but he was alive. So the point is, there is a uh, magnificent puzzle, and each of us is part of the puzzle. Each of us has something to, to create in this puzzle. And we're able, we need to, to pay attention to, to the connection we have to people. You know, people always ask the question, what's my soul mission in life? What do I need? What, what's the purpose of my soul being here? Yesterday's Hayom Yom, what does it say? The purpose of life is do a Jew a favor. That's the purpose of your life. To do one Jew one favor, physically, especially spiritually. And in today's Hayom Yom, as well, it mentions how the, the amazing thing that's accomplished by doing someone a favor. So we all have opportunities all day long in Los Angeles. There's a lot of people here always interacting with each other. Do you realize that, that the place you're in and the circumstances you're in, think of purpose in life. People think of like mountaintops and gurus and long beards. You know, people think of purpose of life. There's a long letter the previous chapter that's talking about the purpose of life. It's a long letter, but he sums it all up in the first page. Where are you? Who are your parents? 
What's your education? Where do you live? Who do you know? Like, you know your purpose in life? Look at where you are. You're not, it's not, you're not waiting for something to tell you the purpose of life. Hashem already told you that this is most of your story. Most of your story is in front of you. So Hashem HaShalp soul, we should realize that we are the ones who are going to bring the Mashiach. And each of us has a part of that. To love who we are and love ourselves. And that's going to give us the, uh, the inspiration to love each other. And to see the good in others. Because only with you, you believing in your own goodness, your own godliness, and your holiness, can you see the godliness and the holiness of someone else. L'chaim, l'chaim, l'chaim.